Hello, our literacy group is get together again for the second episode. I can hardly wait. Faith, why don't you kick us off? All right. Hi, everyone. My name is Faith Borkowski. I'm so happy to be here. So today's discussion will be about leveled books, predictable leveled books compared to decodable books. So um, some of you out there might not really know about decodable books, but it is a hot topic in literacy today. So I'm just going to start talking about the differences briefly, and then we're going to get into a discussion. So a level book would be on a gradient scale from A to Z. And these arbitrary levels are really about getting kids familiar at, in the early stages with high frequency words. And in the beginner level books, uh, many of these high frequency words are repeated quite a bit so that kids start learning what we would call, I guess, sight words traditionally. Um, there are different names for them, but those are the words that are familiar to kids. And then we have decodable books. And decodable books are not focused on high frequency words, although they have to have some because you can't really put together a sentence without them. But the focus is really on um, sound letter correspondences and having kids start uh, making those connections uh, so that it becomes automatic. And then those words become words that they just know automatically. So the better they know sound letter connections, they're able to start making those uh, connections easily. So uh, traditionally in school, most schools have the level books uh, and classrooms would do guided reading with these level books. So a guided reading group would take a level book sit with a group of kids and cue these kids using traditionally pictures and the first letter of some of these words to get kids to know words that perhaps they couldn't sound out. And then the other words they would just learn through repetition. And we're going to talk about the differences today, why some of us feel that um, one would be a better place to start than the other. So um, I'm going to turn it over to Mary and Judy now, and then I'll come back and comment after they talk about what they think. So I don't care who starts. I mean, All right. And oh, you want to go, Mary, you go, you go. You okay. go, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a huge fan of decodable books um, in the school district. In which I worked, we had we have balanced literacy and lots of leveled books, but no decodables when I left in 2019. But if a child is reading on a Fontes and Pinnell level of A through E, they need to be in a decodable book first. And it's to learn those phonics patterns and the spelling that they've already been introduced to during instruction. So 
they have to learn the decoding first. And where leveled books, it's more about the comprehension and let's make meaning from the text based on the picture clues and the language. So working with struggling readers now across the country, I know that especially if a reader is struggling, they must have decodable text. And you really can't learn to read, you can't really read a book unless you know short vowel sounds, the CVC pattern, and also schwa. So um, I, I just, I think we're leaving out and teachers are wondering, where do we get the decodables? What are good decodables? But we, in every balanced literacy classroom, there should be decodable books. What do you think? I would agree, uh, Mary. So I would agree with what you said. Um, in every balanced literacy classroom, there should be a balance. So you ladies have your boxing gloves on? <laughs> <laughs> All, All right, right. I know this was going to be a hot one. Oh, let me see, Mary. Faith, you got them on? All right, so okay. I'm going to be honest here, as I always am, America, and the rest of the world. I did not burn my rig BPM books. I still have them. Here they are. Here they are. Will you tell the tell the audience of what rig BPM books are? So these are leveled readers. These are leveled readers that I have successfully worked with many of my students who have done wonderfully with them. Do they work wonderfully with all of my students? Absolutely not. Do I believe? that classrooms and students also benefit from decodable texts? Absolutely. But I think that we can't be so rigid as to say, it's my way or the highway and this is the way it has to be. I think we need to be a little bit flexible. Think about our readers. I do think that some kids do benefit greatly from seeing decodable text only in the early levels. But I think as readers become more independent, and we do not train those students to look at those picture cues. I have totally shifted from that. No longer do I have my students look at that visual print and slide through words. And I also have my decodables in my garage. I have this one, pop, pop, pop. I have another decodable, mocks, jogs. But I, do I think that it's my way or the highway? No. But Faith, I want to hear a little bit more about you guys. But, what, but Judy, wouldn't you agree that in kindergarten, preschool, kindergarten, first grade classrooms, they should be using decodable books? Absolutely. Absolutely. And they should see connected text if they're doing foundations or any other phonics-based program. They should absolutely be seeing those connected texts in their small group reading. However, do I think it's tragic if they're reading other books and we're prompting them specifically to look at the word and to slide through the word? No. Do I think problems start? Yes. I've seen kids decode words like there's a Fontes and Pinnell book that says something about, um, I think it was about, they, uh, the word was maybe dance and all the kids saw a, a girl go like this or it was a boy going like this and they say ballet. Yes, that's a problem. But, you know, that's also a teaching point where we focus the, the student to look at that visual print. I mean, there's no perfect science. There really is no perfect science. But I want to hear a little bit more about what Faith has to say or Mary. All right. So um, I 
feel strongly that kids who are starting to learn to read should have decodables. Um, I, I really don't see the value in those earlier level books for beginner readers. And just for people out there, I have um, one book that's leveled and one book that is a primary phonics book. And I just want the audience to hear the difference. They're very quick. So this book is called My Home. And this um, is considered a beginner book. And this is how it goes very quickly. My home is here, said the bird. My home is here, said the frog. My home is here, said the pig. My home is here, said the dog. A dog? A rabbit? My home is here, said the rabbit. Come back, rabbit. The end of the book. So now, clearly we know the purpose of this book is to get kids to remember my home is here, said the. Those are the high frequency words. And the only way that these kids would really be able to know, let's say a word like rabbit is because the rabbit's on the page. You know, no. you did not- I disagree, but wait, what about if they saw that letter R and you quickly prompted them to look at the visual print? Well, right? I think when you say visual print, print- Meaning the words. Okay, so my, my point is why should they be prompted? Kids should get the message that reading is all about the print. So even that language I'm not quite understanding, from my point of view, if yeah. kids are taught correctly, the only thing they should be focused on is the word and the picture should just be there because they're kids and it just supports the story. So let me give you an example of a phonics book, okay? Just to give you, you know, so just so you could understand. This is also a level one type of book. It's called The Wig. Right. And here's the book. It's not predictable. The book is... Tag is a pup, Kit is a cat. Kit ran to get Tag. Peg has a wig, the wig is wet. Peg set the wig on a big log. The log is in the sun, it is hot in the sun. The log got wet, Peg ran to get a rag. Tag ran up to the log, the pup can get the wig. And it goes on a little bit longer. They're both boring. How is right. more boring oh. than my home is this, my home is that, my home is that. I think that's mind numbing. <laughs> my, my home, my home, my home, my home, my home, my home. This is actually a story. It's, I'm, the way I'm reading it is not fascinating. I'm just trying to get through it. But you know what? This, there's a story here. And every word here is CBC, except for those few connecting words. And so for a beginner reader, the joy of them being able to read everything and know that they're reading those words, I think is a lot more rewarding than having them, their eyes go away from the print mm -hmm. and then just having to get their mouths ready to guess because that's what they're going to have to do. 
Well, you know what? And the other thing with the home book is that they, it's so predictable. They can just guess at the entire book where this, they really have to really unlock the code. So, so I think you, you make a great point. I think, um, but it is stilted language, Judy. I agree with you there. Right. The kids, the kids that are learning to read, it get, builds such confidence. Okay. So I agree with you both. And like I said, my school, my schools where I'm working, I'm an advocate. I want geodes to be in those classrooms. I'm purchasing different decodables on a daily basis. I'm making sure that students take home connected text in their um, homework packets, that they have them in their, um, you know, reading, independent reading packets as well. However, I don't know if it's easy for a kid to read those texts. Because what if the child is still struggling with CVC words and then the cognitive load of having to think about every CVC word, that's a lot of work. And guess what? Guess what? I'm talking about it because I'm in the field. I'm with the kids in the field on the weekend, during work days, with my teachers. A lot of kids go, oh my God, this is so hard. It's so boring. I can't take it. I don't like reading. And we have to make sure that kids enjoy reading Right. There is a place for leveled books because you have to develop the language comprehension. So when teachers are reading aloud a level book, especially to English language learners and just all type of books, I, yes, yes. vocabulary and comprehension, but really they shouldn't be moving into leveled readers until they know those CVC patterns and they, they understand short vowels and schwa, you know? All right. So I want to ask you a question. Yeah. I was going to say, if they learn how to read well, and the focus is on the words, they just, they, that's what they expect. I think it's this mixed methods that makes them not really sure about how to get through the books. We're throwing different things at them. And so as a kid, they don't know which books are the ones where, oh, these are the words that I just have to know by heart. And these are the ones where I have to use my sounding out skills. They start to try to use those same strategies as a default strategy. I'm just going to look at the picture. And then if they do that with a decodable where the picture is not aligned exactly where they could guess, of course they're going to be frustrated because they really have to read those words now. But it's a lot of work, Faith. It's a lot of work on that brain sometimes. Right, but that's why you want to make sure that you've taught those phonic skills and you have a corresponding decodable. That's fine, but there's still going to be kids that struggle, Mary. There are. You know what? And and here is my, here's a decodable at a much higher level. You can just take a look at the print. There's nothing. There are no pictures. Some of the high frequency words are listed at the top. Yeah, that looks a lot like the Acadians um, documents that, you know, the screeners that the kids are taking now. But I like what I do like about that passage is the print is bigger and uh, it's easier for the kids to track. You know what the kids like I have fourth graders now who are reading the high noon books and love them. So I talked to a boy yesterday and he's reading a sport book and he said, yes, he, he just, you know, and it give, gives him a feeling of success. So you reduce the cognitive load, right? Because he's he has practice with the concept. 
But not all decodables or level texts are created equally. We have to also be very cognizant of that as well, because, True. you know, very often I'll see a decodable book that has all of a sudden, it's a book that's working on CVC words, and then they throw in suffixes all over the place. And then the brain is like, oh, oh wait. Well, um, I think you, you, okay, so there are differences in quality, and that goes for any book. I, I don't right. care if it's a level book, it's a that's right. book, um, a picture book. We know that um, books range in terms of what you would say is a quality book. A quality phonics book will have words where it aligns with the lessons that are being taught. And the, the pictures will be, I know in some books, really cute pictures. And then for an older kid, it's more appropriate for them if they need a decodable book. Right. The hope really is that if we teach reading well in the early stages, that we wouldn't need decodable books for older kids. Amen. And we have them. But honestly, we want to keep decodables as the training wheels. And I think that's a misunderstanding, too, that the decodable book is not the end game. It's a teaching tool to reinforce what is being taught. The goal is to get kids reading so let me ask you something. they want. Wait, let me interrupt you for a second. Leveled or not, once the um, the um, the code is available to them, they should be able to read whatever they want at that point. Can I ask you something? Sure. So you think that this is the formula for every single child there? No, what oh. I'm saying is if a child comes into school and can read already, and there are those kids who come into school reading, I would not put them into a book where they already know how to read. Give them it. Right. And I I've agree. Seen before. But if you put a book in a kid's hands with words they're supposed to just know by heart, my home is, my home is, my home is, my home is, you take those same words off the page and you isolate each That's one of true. those words, they don't right. to be able to do anything. It's just the pattern of the book. And what happens is kids get really good at faking this. And it leads everybody in the wrong direction. So would I give every kid a decodable book? I would give it to them until they're able to get out of them. How about that? They're the, there until they're able to do whatever they the, can. The criteria really has to be, they have to, to be able to decode those CVC words, real and nonsense and isolation. That's fine too, but let's think about something else. Um, say higher, the vowels. Let me, let me say something else. Okay, so in my professional experience, and you know I use both type of books and I feel very confident in my you know, opinion and my opinion is my, my own not from my job. It's not from anything else except my own experiences and working in the field. What my concern is, is very often what I see is that people stay stuck at the same level in a decodable for too long. So you're reading CVC words or words with diagraphs for so long. How do we make sure that people know to shift? Right. So they have to know those two syllable and three syllable words. They, they also have to know a few syllable types, right? The but, but what can happen in classrooms, 
unless this is not fully thought out clearly, is there can be confusion. What scope and sequence am I following? Am I following the scope and sequence and foundations? Where am I, or in any other program that I'm using, how do teachers know how to shift? See, the thing is, let's be honest, level literacy, it was a little bit clear when to shift. Oh, I'm gonna test, I'm gonna do a running record, I'm gonna see, maybe they're ready, maybe they're not. The formula changes a little bit with um, decodable text. Okay, so I, I wanna just jump in and say something about that. When you say the formula is clear, Judy, about when to go into another level book, you're talking about a just right book. And so, right? That's <laughs> just right book. And so- I don't know if it's just right well, on well, the okay, Goldilocks but, method. Okay. But, but it's basically a book where most of the book the kids can handle, right? They can basically handle it where the teacher, it's not a frustrating book. And why so, not? Why well, not? We go to put- with the running record, it's it's actually advised to go to the level of frustration to the hard. To, but then, but that to find out their ceiling of frustration. That's right. Okay, but then there's very little teaching going on. You realize that if a teacher doesn't go to the a hard level, I'm saying they, that we might be under instructing kids. Just right book. Once they're in a just right book, right. They, we're, first of all, let's say- but We're not teaching them at the just right level. We're instructing them higher, right? Okay, but wait a minute. So now let's say these kids are in different levels and you mm -hmm. have these kids in the real low level books. Believe me, many of them don't move either. You know, they get- A thousand percent right. Books. I've seen kids, it's like a Roach Motel. They're stuck at a level A for like seven years. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is going on? Because, because you know why, Judy? Second grade. Because, that is true. Because they're not challenged. They're reading, this is an apple. This is a banana. I don't think it's because they're not challenged. I don't think no, that's this, what it is. I think yeah, it's lack of important. Because they can't read those words in isolation. Right. So it, and we're not teaching them to transfer those skills that they learn in phonics into text. And some of those kids aren't. I don't know. I don't can know. We, there is can a we get problem. you? Okay, I'm gonna, can can I, get you to agree? Can we get you to agree that in K one we have decodable books for kids who are learning to read? Okay, in K one, not all of one. Yes, for a lot of kids, both. But for lower levels, I I can I can bend on level A and B a hundred percent. You guys got through e. bend, What am I at the casino? <laughs> All right. I have to ask you a question, Judy. Okay. Let's do it, Faith. Let's All do right. it, Mary. Right. I have to ask you a question. All right. Do you, um, did you ever take up something as an adult that you didn't know anything about? Did you, like a hobby, a sport, anything? Did I ever take Soul Cycle? Okay, but what do you do? You sit on the bike and you pedal. I'm talking about really learning something that like a language, a, a sport that you knew nothing about. Did you ever do anything as an adult where you right. had to learn from scratch something new? You know what? I had to learn foundations four years ago and I fell in love with it. It was completely okay, new territory. You had to read already. I'm talking about something 
that you Mary, do. give me help. Give me a okay. oh, Let me finish. I'm, I'm leading you. Spanish. Into I learned Spanish. Okay. Now, okay, let's, we could talk about a language. I'm going to talk about dance because that's something that I know about. When I first- Oh, learned, I think I read in your book, you're a ballroom dancer. Yes, I do ballroom, but I didn't always do ballroom. Okay, so when I first took ballroom dancing and you know, I, I went to a studio, I knew nothing. I like to dance, but I did not know ballroom dancing. So the way you learn ballroom dancing is they teach you the steps first before they teach you to do a whole dance. You learn step by step, and let me finish. And then to get better, you practice exactly what the teacher is showing you. You don't yeah. practice steps you weren't taught yet. So let me finish. Mm -hmm. And then they have these parties every week where you're there with people who are way more advanced than you. Um, and you're a beginner. And the idea that you're exposed to this doesn't mean you're able to do those steps. So now, as a beginner, I could stand in the corner with somebody just practicing what I know a little bit. But mm -hmm. then if a more advanced dancer asked me to dance, he would either have to come down to the point where I could do those steps or he would put me at a point where I was just faking it, like going around and just trying to fake it a little bit. Or I would get frustrated and say, thank you, but no thank you, I'll pass on this dance. So if we look at decodables and books like you're talking about, the decodable mirrors what should be taught, right? Step by step. As far as putting your toe, no pun intended, into the water, right? A little toe in. You might start to learn things that you were not taught through statistical learning as you get more advanced. But if you put a kid in, I'm looking all around for a lifeline. I'm like, help, <laughs> I'm being tossed around like a rag doll if I don't know what I'm doing. And that was me. When I first started ballroom dancing, you had men who would ask you to dance who understood you were a beginner. And then you had the men who just wanted you to keep up with them. Okay, so we have about two minutes left. All right, so that's all I'm going to say about that. All right, so question, question. How do you ensure that teachers in those classrooms are moving kids through those decodables so they don't stay at that CVC or diagraph phase for too long? That's the teacher. That's the teacher. And you know what? Maybe there needs to be a checklist, a criteria that they can read the words in isolation. They can read nonsense words and real words and... But that takes a lot of practice, a lot of teacher training, and we need to give our teachers the materials that they need to be successful, totally. the support that they need, because you know what? We can't say it's this book or that book without the proper level of training, support, and materials, because if teachers don't have decodables that go through the scope and sequence, I what agree. then? I, the I, other I, part is the teacher had an argument there. I talked to a teacher in Chicago this week. And she had she and another teacher pooled their school allotment of $250 to buy high noon decodable books 
for the fourth and fifth graders, but it wasn't part of the school budget. They blew their whole stash on, 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 on high noon books for their readers, but this should be part of, of the school budget. It, schools across our country. Teachers shouldn't have to, to, to uh, buy with their own money decodables or use their, their allotment uh, for consumables to buy decodables. So what's the problem? Why isn't it happening? Everybody knows about the science of reading. Everybody has shifted from using picture cues, but why is the process so slow? Not here because no? it's balanced reading and Lucy Calkins all the way, baby. Where all are you again? Lakewood, Ohio. And many districts. No, New York City is shifting beautifully. I have to say, I'm very proud of New York City. We're embracing a lot of the science of reading, but we still have work to do. And, and like I said, I still think that, you know, a lot of classrooms have balanced literacy. And I think the problem with the balance is that it's not very well balanced. Exactly. Well, and, and that is true, Judy. I mean, I, I think, and, and to your point, that I think if the teachers knew really about how to focus their attention and looking at beginner readers as beginners and understanding the need for books that match what they're teaching with training, with an understanding, with the proper tools, with high quality decodables. And I'm gonna sell you on those decodables. I can't um, wait. You promised yes. me the goodie list. So I, I hope that I, I I'm going to tell you that there are plenty of really, really good ones. When you say boring, that probably your school has some. Not my school. It's nothing about my school. It's in my garage in my basement. It's my own. Okay. Well, then how what old are those? Are they as old is, as you? <laughs> no, this is Crab is Mad. What else do I have? Zig and Zag. Wow, that's a thriller. Zig and Zag. <laughs> But you know what? Entertain you, Judy. The book is not to entertain the adult. But kids is, need Mary. They love it because they can read Mary it. They feel successful. But you know what I call on? I call on administrators. I call on top-level administrators to, to make their budget reflect the science of reading in practice. Teachers are exhausted. They're being told all these conflicting things. And it, you really have to, you have to drill down and say, yeah, beginning readers need decodables. If a kid comes into first grade though, Judy, able to read, then they're not in a decodable, no. All right, so what are you ladies saying? When do we transition into nice, joyful books where there's a beautiful story? Oh, they, they, oh, you, wait, 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 you wait, always use it. She so I like the way she got that in, into a beautiful story, as if that, these other books are just drudgery. Okay, so when, how about, when do they transfer into authentic books? How, instead That's of true, yes. Books, into books where there's transfer. When they A have thousand enough, percent. Okay, how about when they have enough code knowledge where they could just look at the word and use their phonics skills to figure out even things they haven't done before. Remember what I said with the dancing? The more I danced, the more I was able to start right. experimenting. Right. You become like a problem solver because you know how words work. And, and I like understand and the rhythm of certain things and some steps. And teachers should be reading aloud real books. Yes. Language. That's I was right. The teachers I was, also... Can I say I one last thing? One last thing, I promise. 
I, I know I talk a lot. I was teaching second grade and we were at a grade level meeting and I, we, my team, we were reading the one and only Ivan. We were called out by the balanced literacy people because it was too high level. And I argued for the whole language comprehension piece. And I, I, it, was, it was a bad meeting because um, they were shaming us for using the one and only Ivan as a read aloud because but kids can, that what they don't understand is that they can understand listening. Their listening comprehension is so much higher than their reading comprehension. I so, I, so we don't throw these things out, no. What you uh, one last thing that I wanna say though, I think whatever book we're using and like, listen, tomorrow there might not be decodables in a teacher's classroom. That teacher might have to go on the internet to find. But even if they are using different type of books, it's very important to bring the attention to those skills that the kids are learning in phonics, regardless of whatever you're reading. Like if there's a suffix in a word and you just learned suffixes, oh, wow, it really does exist in a book. Or if there's a vowel team, bring it to the attention of the kids. Kids need to make that transference. It's not happening enough in those classrooms and kids really need to learn those skills and transfer them. That is key. So to wind up, if we had to just give teachers one bit of advice for teachers who have no control over their budgets and they're in balanced literacy classrooms now, what would you say to them? What, what piece of advice would you leave them with so that um, you know, they might wanna walk away with something practical from this conversation? I would say that when I did an online search, there are many decodable books that are online and, and free. Um, so reading A to Z, those level books, again, I'm not crazy about them for beginner readers, but I would say, you know what, we, we have a reading crisis in America. We have 40% of our kids graduate from, from high school who are low literate. So if they have solid foundational skills, at K one two, then we won't. We're, we're going to eliminate literacy poverty. Number one thing I want to say is stop having those kids rely on those pictures, and have them slide through words, learning to touch the page and slide through words and apply the skills that they're learning in phonics. And if I'm going to leave people with one last thought. My thought is to put yourself into um, their shoes and that when we're giving them books and we're sitting in a group and trying to show them how to read, we're trying to make that connection from the beginning that whatever things that they say could be in print, that sounds and letters go together. And that we should not be encouraging, as you said, Judy, there, um, that we should not be encouraging picture cueing. We should not be encouraging to skip words, come back. Context, so here's my last thought. Context is there to confirm meaning, right? The reading the word should come first. The context should be there to make sure that we are reading words correctly. We should not be pointing out kids reading from meaning before they could read the words on the page because what they'll end up doing is 
plugging in words that they already know, right? They're, they generally will look at a word that they can't figure out and they're just going to plug in a word that is in their background knowledge. Even words that they can read, they are so used to guessing that they're just going to plug in words because that term reading for meaning is meaning in their little world. Their world that they know, pets, friends, animals, um, you know, houses, their neighborhood, and they're going to bring meaning to what they're reading rather than pulling out meaning from what they read. So just to be mindful of that when you are working on a book, be very careful to make sure that they're looking at print first and confirming meaning at, with discussion. We want to say thank you to everyone who's listening. We love doing this. We're having so much fun. And we, we want to say if you like us to subscribe to this channel and also put in the comments anything that you would like to know more about. So it, it'll give us some direction um, with some of the issues that we discuss. Okay. Right. Sounds good. Sounds Thanks, good. everyone. All right, Judy, are you okay? <laughs> Did I stop recording? <laughs> no, we're still on.